Your brain needs support, and new Ollie Brainy Chews are a delightful way to take care of your cognitive health. Made with scientifically backed ingredients like Thai ginger, L theanine, and caffeine, Brainy Chews support healthy brain function and help you find your focus, stay chill, or get energized. Be kind to your mind and get these nootropic chews at ollie.com. That's O-L-L-Y.com. These statements have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. This product is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. It's Bigfoot Collectors Club with Bryce and Michael. I know a ghost story or two. Let's do this. Hey everybody and welcome back to a brand new episode of Bigfoot Collectors Club, the show where we talk to amazing guests about their personal paranormal history and share stories of high strangeness. I am your host, Michael McMillan. With me always is your other host, Bryce Johnson and super producer, Riley Bray. Oh boy, oh boy, guys, we're kicking off a brand new era of the show, Wet Hot Summer. Wet Hot Alien Summer has ended, yes. and now we're heading into cold Bigfoot <laughs> winter, I guess. I Let's don't know. get back to cold Bigfoot winter, man. That's, can, that's, we, can we please? That's unofficial. That's unofficial, <laughs> but uh, we're going to be getting into some more, you know, we're going to step away from the UFOs for a little while, get into some more uh, spooky encrypted stories in the next couple months. Not saying that aliens won't show up every now and then, but uh, we got some fun stuff planned. Uh, Bryce, do you want to introduce today's guest for us? Yeah, absolutely. Let's just jump right in. Uh, Today we have a special guest. He's a singer, he's a songwriter, a record producer and director. He's the founder of the rock band Power Man 5000 and owner of Megatronic Records. He created the horror black comedy mockumentary series Death Valley, which aired on MTV and which I was lucky enough to be a part of. Please welcome to the show, Spider One. Wow. Thank you. Could I get some applause? Is that yeah. Yeah. Right, yeah. Very, wow. <laughs> How are the, you, Spider? I'm great. If if the audience only knew the the hoops we just jumped through to get on on this podcast, man, it's par for the course. Yeah. But it thank has you, been... thank you guys for having me. It's uh, exciting, and uh, I hopefully have some some really good stories to tell you today. Oh, dude, cannot wait to hear. So, yeah, yeah, Bryce. Bryce has been teasing that you have some stuff, so I'm very very excited. Yeah, well, I didn't know, you know, I, you know, me and Bryce met obviously on Death Valley. Well, not obviously, but me and Bryce met on Death Valley. Or on, it's obvious to yeah. everyone listening and, to the show uh, where you guys found one another. But I didn't know his obsession with all this stuff, you know, because you, you know you're working on a show together. It's so you're so busy, you're just focused on one thing, and you very rarely have time to just kind of shoot the shit, you know. Yeah. And so over, it was not till more recently that I was like. Uh, well, I think my first clue is when uh, you when when Bryce you did that uh, Bobcat 
Bigfoot movie. And, Willow uh, Creek. Yeah. yeah I mean, I, I when we did Death Valley in 2010, I was really sort of a closeted paranormal enthusiast. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, and then, yeah, after doing that and then, uh, you know, just in the within the last few years, it's I'm, I'm fully opened to it now. So. Spider, that's see, this is the opposite experience I had when getting to know Bryce, because we shot uh a guest star together on major crimes. And uh, I had just watched Willow Creek that week and was like, Oh my God, you were so good in that Bigfoot movie. And we were at craft. I think we we're at craft services. And then uh, it all just kind of tumbled out. We should probably, we should probably rename Willow Creek that Bigfoot movie because we both refer to it as that Bigfoot movie. <laughs> <That's true. laughs> Sorry, Bobcat. But no, and it's funny, and I and I briefly we, I went to see a screening of it at That's uh, right. old um, the old Meltdown Comics, which unfortunately now is gone. Ugh, so and I sad. and I had a brief moment where I I spoke to Bobcat, and it was a uh, really crazy because I think we had the same childhood um, memory that has never left us, which was an episode of. Um, in search of yeah. hosted by Leonard Nimoy. And they did a Bigfoot episode where there was woman uh, or some, you know, like sitting on the couch and then the shadow of Bigfoot goes by the window and then they go to the back door and open the, the kitchen door and Bigfoot standing there like outside. And I've never forgotten that. He's like, I know me too. Like that's, you know, burned in my brain since I was a child. It's so funny how these things. That's, that's an interesting point that's never come up on this show. Bryce, I'm curious about, uh, and Riley, uh, what were your earliest memories of Bigfoot? I think I know mine. Yeah, I, God, I think if it was, I think it was a rerun of In Search Of, uh, just like, you know, Spider and Bobcat. It was it was Leonard Nimoy going over that uh you know, that the Patterson Gimlin footage. And then if it wasn't that, then I think National Geographic did something on the same thing uh, on the Patterson Gimlin footage where they did like a, a recreation of it. And they had scientists, you know, measure the height and, and the, the footsteps and the and the the stance and the walk and everything like that. It it was one of those shows that really like set the hook in for me. And when you're that young, when you're a kid, that kind of stuff is just like, and because you know when you're a kid you're what, what are you interested in like monsters and dinosaurs and totally all stuff. and so when you when the possibility of something like that being real uh and in the possibility of you somehow coming in contact with it's just like endlessly like intriguing you know and the and the thought that like yeah i knew i knew these adults were lying to me when they told me <laughs> that ghosts don't exist i know what's happening i think my i think my sister had Maybe it came from the school library, but she definitely had a book about Bigfoot up in her room that I remember her showing to me. And there was an illustration of, I think it was the Albert Osman story of Bigfoot kidnapping Albert Osman in his sleeping bag. Yeah. And my classic. sister's like, my sister's like, this guy was kidnapped by a family of Bigfoots and he went and hung out with them for a while. And I just remember that drawing. And that was like, I was like, what? There's Bigfoot. And I like, <laughs> and it was weird because I wasn't scared. I liked the idea of Bigfoot, whereas opposed to aliens always freaked me out. Because you thought Bigfoot could somehow be your friend. Yeah, I think he looked more like Chewbacca. <laughs> and I was like, all right, this is cool. You know, he was, a, he seemed sweet, even though he was kidnapping an old man in that story. Yeah, but you don't know what happened after he kidnapped him. They could have yeah. had a great time. Yeah, they cool. just wanted to keep him as like their big, their, their Sasquatch pet. And, uh, yeah, you know, the old Al Albert Osman story is he, he finally one day escaped. I guess he was there for like six days and, and he was like, I got to get the fuck out of here. So <laughs> tricked him with a snuff box. He made yeah, the yeah, old man Bigfoot. 
eat tobacco and he got sick to his stomach and he ran away. Yeah, strange. Well, Spider, uh, we ask our guests every episode, what is your personal paranormal history? Uh, what happened after you watched that episode of In Search Of? How did you get into the stuff and what experiences have you had or not had? Well, I have. It's here. Here's the thing. Like, I've I've had a couple of small uh, things in in happen to me over the years, and certainly on tour, there have been some uh, some venues that have been historically haunted, and I've had a couple of experiences with those things, but nothing that is you know, cr- you know, terribly interesting. Like, but you know and i've always approached this stuff and particularly the idea of ghosts or you know i use the word ghost because who knows what it is being from another dimension a, you know is it a is it a dead person coming who knows what but i'll i'll use the term ghost loosely and i've always approached it as like sure maybe that's a possibility and anything's possible but it wasn't until about i want to say this was about 7 years ago um that it changed my mind to being 100% without a doubt this is real. Oh, you wow. Know? Yeah. Like, no, there is, when I, when I, this is, you have to be patient with me because this story sort of unravels and unfolds and to the point where there is no other explanation um, in my mind. So this was, uh, like I said, about seven years ago, my then girlfriend, now fiance, Chrissy, lived at a building called the broadway which uh, if you live in hollywood you probably have seen her if you watched any movie that shoots the skyline of hollywood you've seen this building the broadway which was it's this historic building that in the yes yeah in the 30s it was i used to work right across from the the taft building slinging 800 numbers for at&t and i would in my break go to the rooftop and smoke a j (laughs) you know back then all those old catwalks and you could go to the rooftops and yeah, that's wild. So that's right on Hollywood and Vine. These, Quarter of uh, Hollywood and Vine, and it was it was a famous uh, department store uh, in the '30s and all through. I think I think up to the '70s, and then it was just an abandoned building until the mid uh, like 2005 when they started re- renovating it for these sort of luxury loft, you know, artist loft kind of things, which it is today. Um, and it has a, a long history, and there's you know ties with Howard Hughes and all this crazy stuff. But anyway, so. Um, so so she lived in one of the lofts and would always as these things start generally in most movies right like they something felt weird in there you know she would tell me stories the cat would just stare at the ceiling and cry <laughs> and things like that and and these are all things that you know being a very practical person you know sure they do you're just you know nervous at night alone and so you know these are just feelings you have um that's the first I've ever heard of a cat staring and crying at the ceiling. That's yeah, oh, creepy. really? Oh, I thought that was pretty common, but uh, literally crying tears. Right, yeah. right. Not not the not vocally crying, just right. a silent uh, <laughs> tear, just a weep, a, a like, hard, deep feline weeping. Sort of like when we would throw trash on the side of the freeway in the seventies. Exactly. Right. If anybody, no one gets that reference. But anyway. we're I'm sadly old <laughs> enough. Um, so anyway, so so it sort of just began like that, and this sort of like, it feels weird here, and sounds, and and I just brush it off, of course. And then um, <clears throat> the, the then the beginning, another instance that sort of started me slowly thinking there's more to this is one night she was there with her best friend michelle working on a song on pro tools and she kept 
calling me and saying like this pro tools is is going crazy it's recording when we're not recording it's doing this it's doing that and of course again i met this you know you're still explaining things in a, a way in your head i'm like well you just don't know how to use pro tools correctly and you're doing something wrong and blah 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 and then she went and then uh, that same night she went to text me and in the text bar where you would text a message had already been text uh, written typed out the name of one of my children oh so that was like a shiver moment right so and she's like i don't know what the fuck just happened but i was going to text you and and coincidentally my kids had been over there the night before um you know visiting and so but again here i am going well you know somebody hit a button or it was on voice recording you said his name and it somehow picked it up and so on and so forth so so again i'm still explaining these things away in my head uh fast forward maybe a week or so um and this is where it really started to turn for me. She was, uh, if I can explain the layout of the loft, it's just sort of like a big open room. And then it sort of turns a corner where the, you know, bedroom of sorts is no real walls or anything. Um, she sends me a video, uh, through my phone and with the message, like, so you still think I'm full of shit. And she is walking with her phone around the corner across the loft to uh, a rack of keys that are hanging by the front door. So maybe a series of like four different keychains hanging on a rack where you, you know, hang your keys for your car, your front door. And the, the, the one bunch of keys in the middle is swinging uh, <laughs> with great purpose, like back and Whoa. forth and back and forth and back and forth and back. And the other keys are dead still. And she proceeds to film this key swinging for well over two or three minutes. Wow. And does not stop. Yeah, that's not Does not stop. Does not until she grabs it and stops it. Now, here I am. Okay, this is fucking weird. But maybe the cat hit that particular key and maybe just the particular weight of those keys could allow it to swing endlessly on its own i don't know so again i'm still trying to still trying to explain away but but more and more stuff is happening so fast forward a few days i am there myself uh spending the night and um this is where the first instance of just like this can be nothing else so we're hanging out and we start talking about this possibility of this loft being haunted um and we're hanging out and I just sort of make an observation that I had sort of noticed in the back of my head, but never really processed it. Like the pictures on the walls are always fucking crooked. And I just say it out loud. I'm like, you ever notice like how all, all your art is always crooked. And I was like, so, and there was this one particular uh, poster uh, of uh, the Texas Chainsaw Massacre it was autographed by uh Gunther uh, was oh his name God. who played it that I gave her as a gift. It was in a big honking heavy frame, and I was like, in particular, I was like this, and I say it out loud. This this picture is always crooked to the left, and I straighten it, and I go around that corner to where the bed is, and I straighten these other series of this other series of artwork that she had that were all slightly crooked. Straighten those out, come back around to the Texas Chainsaw poster. 
it's crooked the opposite way. <laughs> right? So so at that point I literally state out loud, I'm like, okay, ghost, let's try <laughs> this. Cause I'm just like now now it's just fucking with me. So I take uh I straighten the 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 poster, right? The the you know the framed poster, and I take packing tape and I tape around the edges. So it's taped securely to the wall, like from behind the, you know, so that you can't, it's not going to, it's not going to go crooked on its own just from, and we hang out the night, not thinking about it, go to bed. So I wake up the next morning. I wake up first. I go around the corner to um, make some coffee and the hair on my back of my neck and my arms straightens because I look to where this Texas Chainsaw poster was hanging it's not on the wall anymore <laughs> whoa yeah and it hasn't fallen to the ground <sighs> the it is uh, and i'm try. i wish i was there physically to show you so next so there's a flat wall next uh, to the right of where it was hanging is a big cement pillar that you know that supports the building uh, that runs through the building um probably about four feet away next to that pillar is a, a little trash can the poster is off of the wall now on top of the trash can leaning neatly against the pillar what? what the nail that was the tape is obviously off the wall the nail that it was hanging on is neatly pushed flush back into the wall no Whoa. you know so it's not like and there's no way like you know this post this thing fell Right. Bounced off the floor, <laughs> yeah. bounced four feet onto a trash can and, you know, without in and the nail is still completely flush. No, you know. So at this point, th- this is the moment where I'm like, there is no I can't explain this one away. Right? Yeah. Like unless you guys can think of some thing other than, uh, you know, of some sort of ghostly entity moving this thing and intentionally doing it because I challenged it to right by taping this thing down. So now this, so now it is just, it's on like now it's just, this is an amazing adventure we're on here, right? Like this is spider versus ghost. So, so now it's like, we're, we're, we're placing furniture and, and you know, to see if it moves and all this kind of stuff. And so, um, so then, so so then the next uh, time, maybe you know, again, I don't know the exact timeline, but oh, in 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 a lot of the stuff we have, like I have the to backtrack, I have the swinging keys on video. We have that. I don't obviously have the 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 poster floating through the air. I wish I did, but but the, but this next thing. So maybe let's say this is a, a week later. Uh, and uh, we're waiting. Chrissy's getting ready. We're going to go out. She's in the bathroom taking a shower, door shut. Her friend Michelle comes over, visits. We're waiting for her to finish her shower. So we can get, get out of and go to dinner or whatever we were doing that night. Um, she gets out of the shower and we just hear, hear her from the bathroom yelling, fuck you guys. We're like, what? <laughs> She's like, fuck you. We're like, what do you? She's like, and what are you talking about? We come in the. She's like, come here. We come in the bathroom. Let me set this up physically as well. So, so these are losses, super high uh, uh, ceilings. The bathroom mirror is very high. Like to get to the top of the mirror, like I, as a grown man, I would have to stand on the the van at the sink, you know, and to reach the top of the mirror is that kind of a scale. 
so we both come in the bathroom. She points at the, the, the steamy mirror at the very top of the mirror in this very thin, thin line is the word hi, H-I, written oh my out. God. Almost like a little what? kid wrote it. And, and and she's like, fuck you, like as if, if I did it. I'm like, no. And I, and I said, look, I, I ran my finger next to it. The width of my finger was like twice the width. And, you know, you're, you have natural like oil on your finger, whatever. It was a very different quality than the word high that was written into this into the into the steam so as we're all like staring at this with our mouths hanging open we start to notice and i fuck it see when i gotta say when i tell this story these stories i feel like i'm making this up and people don't believe me and i'm like but i don't we know the feeling yeah right so (laughs) so so we're staring at this word high and um we start to see little tiny fingerprint in uh pushing into like the condensation uh, on the wall above the uh, mirror like we can see where it's changing and a little like i said like little finger dots uh and and i have photos of this stuff too like that somewhere in wow. yeah um so you know again step two of like i don't there's no other no one else wrote high on the fucking mirror you know like i no. can see fingerprints happening um and and uh so those two were like the big ones that really just got me to the point where i was like D- i i don't know uh, i'm gonna need a little more evidence <laughs> <laughs> and then what it, else you got go and then there was a there wasn't a second uh mirror incident where it be when i got out of the shower and it looked like it had to be gotten to write something else uh it looked like the beginning beginning of like an s and possibly another letter and we couldn't figure out and this was at the point where she was um preparing to move because we were getting a place together so we're we were moving out and i'm like is it sending us a message like stay is it you know and i was begging it please continue writing what you're in it never did um and then the final weirdness was when we actually had moved everything out um and the only thing we left behind was uh her computer because we didn't want the movers to break it we were just going to move it ourselves and over the course of moving the screen had gotten very dusty and uh and we went back the last day to pick up um the uh, computer and in in all the dust on the screen were just all these crazy um weird symbols like not any any recognizable letters or numbers just weird symbol Mm. yeah all throughout in in the dust of the screen and um and since then we you know she had talked to some of the valet guys at this in 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 everybody apparently in that uh, that building has has ghost stories yeah Uh, um and just a quick uh and then a quick odd aside to that we had moved out moved to a house in burbank and everything seemed cool and then uh we had lived there for maybe a year in and some more shit started happening um i got up one morning went into the kitchen every single kitchen cabinet was wide open (sighs) um and i shut them and uh and then whatever was going on then it kept messing with me like i would uh you know same thing like i would i'd close everything go to the bathroom come back out and one of the drawers would be open again um and then we put a we put a uh uh nest camera in the, the kitchen to see if we could catch it and it, it sort of you could see almost every cabinet except for this one lower one uh that was kind of blocked by uh 
by the edge of another cabinet. And uh, one night we were sitting watching TV and, and one of the cats went in to eat and which was right by their dish. And, and the cat just like jumped and ran. We're like, what the fuck just happened? And we went in the kitchen and that cabinet, the only <laughs> one that you couldn't see had swung open. Like it was in, in a, in, I came home one night and I, and I, cause I didn't want to have any more ghost fucking shit. Like I was into yeah, it. I was going to wonder, I mean, you seem like, I mean, how are you feeling about this? Were you like welcoming this activity? Or were you like, okay, enough of that. Like at the how- loft, I was at, at the Broadway, I was kind of into it cause it seemed, it was really exciting and I didn't feel as if it was a, a threat, you know, yeah. like I didn't feel like there was any danger. I felt like it was a, you know, a friendly kind of a situation. And so I was, and I just couldn't believe that this was happening to me. Yeah. Right. You know, yeah. so it followed you to your new place. That's when it's like, Hey man, yeah. I didn't invite you here. And I, and, yeah. And I came home one night, we had come home and uh, there was a drawer open in the kitchen and I had like fucking had it. And I just screamed like this fucking drawer better be closed in the morning. And I left it. <laughs> and I That's went like to Bryce talking to yeah. his kids. <laughs> <laughs> and I went to bed and I got up and the drawer was still open, but we never had another issue at that house where I guess I just reprimanded the ghost to a certain Wow, way. That was the last of it, huh? Yeah. I mean, uh, yeah. I mean, well, I, <laughs> I don't want to the other night here in our new home, and I don't, this one, I don't think, I don't, we were in in bed. And, yeah, it's uh, probably nothing. Yeah, probably, we're in bed. We have this. Based on previous experience. We have yeah. this, uh, this uh, piano uh, in our living room, but like an uh, like electric keyboard, I should say, with all these different settings on it. You can you know do organ and piano or whatever. And we're asleep <laughs> at 4.30 in the morning. Christine's nudging me. She's like, what's that? And I'm like fuck is that sound and i come out in the living room and this fucking thing's playing but it's not playing like a a, a setting like a you know because it has sort of pre-programmed songs sure. you can it's not playing that it's playing this weird fucking loop of like it is over and over and i just shut it off and i'm gonna get back to bed you know, wow yeah, spider a, you're yeah. haunted dude it's I, not yeah. the buildings it's you but i don't yeah. think it's me i think it's chrissy i think she's I was gonna say yeah because because she has in fact told me other stories about a, how she lived in previously to the broadway where she hadn't really created so it could she just could be a haunted girl you know yeah for sure. a conduit or something that's mm-hmm. i mean we've heard a lot of ghost stories on on this podcast but Man, that has to be, if not one of, if not the creepiest I've ever heard. That's the crazy. fingerprints, yeah. the tiny fingerprints on the condensation and the mirrors. Yeah. Maybe going to keep me up for I, three I, nights. <laughs> well, that's my point of this whole thing. And when I, and like I say, this has been quite a while now. So it's even more strange when I tell it all these years later, because I still feel like it sounds like I'm just making it up. Yeah, but I, I mean, I, you know, I'm, I'm so not that person of to make or to even exaggerate, you know, anything. Um, and, and it just, uh, it just kind of still blows my mind that I got to experience it. And it's, yeah. and again, it's not one of these things where it's like, Oh, I had a feeling or I, Oh, it got cold in this part of the the building. Like it, you know, it weren't those, it's not, it wasn't those things that are just like, okay, sure. You know, I mean, this, yeah. this heavy framed poster just, moving to another section of the room yeah that's and after i essentially put out a challenge to the ghost or whatever it is to to you know sure you can you can make the 
the the frame go crooked, but can you do this? And it did it was crazy, like crazy to have that sort of interaction. And then, yeah, having it write a message say, saying hi to us. It was, it's, it's nuts. Like it's nuts. And I still like, I, I almost wish she didn't move so we could have seen where it went um, right. because I felt like it was just sort of escalating more and more. God. Well, that's wild stuff. I mean, the thing that just really comes to mind with that Broadway stuff is just how I know how haunted Hollywood is, especially along that strip. The Pantages Theater is supposed to be super haunted. Yeah, I have it's friends all who right work there. I had friends who worked at the Roosevelt Hotel. Yeah. Uh, and we did a Patreon episode a couple of years ago about haunted Hollywood with my buddy Chris who saw like disembodied shoes walking across the lobby of the bar he worked at. He saw entities walk through the walls. Um, and I also have another friend who the frolic room is supposed to be super haunted, which is right next to the Pantages. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. My friend is friends with one of the bartenders there and they used to see a shadow entity in there uh, near like the jukebox, <laughs> you know, so that whole, this, this this whole area, and I'm not far from this area. I live not far from there. It's that strip of Hollywood and Vine all up and down there is supposed to be super duper haunted. Knickerbocker Hotel's near there. Um, the I think the Avalon is supposed to be haunted as well. It's crazy down there. Yeah, I believe it. I mean, I think there was there have been stories about, and I don't, you know, obviously I can't vouch for these, that like the Broadway, um, somebody was telling us about Howard Hughes having like, during a certain part of the history of that building sort of having the top floor to himself. Oh yeah. And um, some girl that went to visit him uh, fell to her death in the elevator shaft. Oh God. And um, they, the people that work there would tell stories of how the elevator would always just return to that floor, no matter like when they, you know, whether they pressed a different floor button, things like that. I mean, these are secondhand stories, so I can't, vouch for that but um but yeah there seems to be a lot of uh a lot of that kind of vibe going on in that building yeah it's like scarring or something it's like you know there's like there's these impressions left over i mean you know what is your working hypothesis as to what this is do you think that's an that might be like an individual personalized entity do you think those are just sort of uh, leftover remnants of, of of energy sort of manifesting. Uh, what do you think is going on there, Spider? Well, it's hard to say, right? Because you would think like if, you know, if, okay, these things actually e- exist, which I believe they do now after my experience, then why aren't they uh, incredibly common? So mm-hmm. then does it have to do with the the other end? Is it is it more dependent on who's on the receiving end of it. You know what I'm saying? Like, yeah, is it because do. if, because I would think that if, if, you know, there are millions of ghosts floating around or whatever you want to call them, that we'd all be having experiences all the time or we, yeah. maybe, we maybe we do and we just don't notice them. I don't know. But yeah, I don't, you know, that's the thing. I don't, I hesitate to say what it is because I think we all go to the idea that this is the spirit of someone who's passed on. Yeah. But who knows what it is? Who knows? We also hear about environmental (laughs) factors that might take a play in it, like, you know, Linda Godfrey, who's more of a cryptid hunter, I guess, for lack of a better term. She talks about how a lot of paranormal experiences or cryptids are seen near creeks or bodies of water. They think that, like, water might be a conduit for some of these things and, you know, certain energies. I'm sitting here wondering if maybe 
whatever rock or stone all of those buildings from the 1910s and you know were built down and yeah. maybe maybe there's some quartz or something in those buildings that sort of amplify these paranormal experiences or allow energies from the other side to make stronger contact you know it's interesting you, you when you started talking about the the idea of the uh, you know hollywood being you know super haunted it made me think of you know would it possibly have to do with that like who who lives in Hollywood? You know, right. actors, performers, like people who want, like people that maybe can't let go of yeah. like life, right? Like and what are you talking about? <laughs> really hard. Also, like lived super hard and partied hard. Yeah. Well, not, you know, not to say that every ghost in Hollywood is somebody that was famous or wanted to be famous, but 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 I mean, what is you know the goal? emotions are high? Yeah, and it's also this idea of like you know, sort of immortality through stardom, you know, like when you go down mm-hmm. to Hollywood Boulevard, you still see, you know, uh, images of Elvis and Marilyn Monroe and, you know, Humphrey Bogart, whoever, this idea that sort of, that you never quite go away. Yeah. And, you know, I wonder if there's some connection with the environment, the type of person that or, d- or, desires you know, that, you know, so oh, many yeah. people are keeping those memories and those spirits alive just by, you know, thinking, thinking on those personalities and those old celebrities too, especially while they're in that area. Maybe, you know, I don't know, maybe it opens some type of receivership by the, by the person who's there to act as a conduit to sort of help psychically manifest some of these stranger things that can happen. Like a, like a fucking picture frame getting up and walking off the wall. Yeah. Well, I mean, and in there, there, like I said, I, you know, there, I've been on tour, um, uh, and, and had this, you know, a lot of venue music venues, which would be a similar idea, right? The musicians and aren't different than actors of performance. And, uh, you know, I remember this one time we were at a, a club. We, it was sort of like we got booked in this oddball club that we had never played before, never been back since. It was more of like a jazz blues club. And obviously mm. that's not who we are, but we got, <laughs> We got booked in this place and um, we were finishing up sound check. And uh, my drummer at the time was sitting behind his kit and I was standing on the floor of the venue off stage having a conversation with him. Um, there was no music playing. There was no vibrations. There was no, we were done. There were no doors open to, to allow wind through or anything like that. And, uh, Sort of, if you can imagine, sort of off to the side of him on his right, tucked in the back of the stage was a piano. And on top of that piano was um, a set of like chimes, you know what I mean, that you'd run your hand down through. Um, sure. Um, and so we're having a conversation, and all of a sudden I see the chimes just, you know, just ring as if someone ran their hand down. And he turns, and I look at him, and we're like, did that just fucking happen? And, and I turn around and uh, there's a, this is before the venue was open. There's a bartender. And I was like, is this place haunted? He's like, absolutely. He's like, <laughs> he's like we see shit all Correct the time. Answer. Like we have like bottles flying off shelves. We see apparitions on the stairway. So that's another, you know, like that was a very minor, not minor, but you know, like a one. Yeah. But again, it, it sort of ties back to this, this, uh, I guess, half theory of this sort of like entertainer yeah. um, idea that maybe the, you know, it's just like attention seeking spirits. Yeah. 
Yeah, there you I, go, I, listeners. If you uh, want to see a ghost, be a bartender in a rock club, <laughs> <laughs> or live at, live at the Broadway. Or yeah, right. live at the Broadway, and also that area too, Hollywood and Vine, is near one of the like largest fault lines in, I think, Los Angeles. So there's some there's some energy because I always think too like why this intersection why did people pick this you know like why Times Square why you know uh, Piccadilly Circus or whatever you know like what 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 also what draws people to sort of build in a certain area and make that area come to life you know become a network of a city but you guys would know more than the, the, you know obviously because you you're always talking about this stuff but now I would I would I would my counter to that we well there's more people there so there's more activity there's more uh you know than that would just make sense that but but i mean what about rural areas what about old farmhouses what about yeah. I mean, there i guess there's probably instances there of the same kind of stories um of these I gotta, things happening yeah no i gotta tell you look we've been doing this podcast now for almost almost three years and we always have you know incredible guests on the show and i guess one thing that surprised me is you know, we always ask them their personal paranormal history, and about 95% of them have firsthand accounts of something that they can't explain. Mm. I mean, they're not as major as what you experienced, but it seems like this stuff is happening all over and to just about everyone. I mean, you know, maybe it's so much more prevalent than people like to think or believe, but uh, anomalous shit is happening all the time. Yeah, maybe it's, sometimes it's it's much more uh, subtle uh, things yeah. we brush off as coincidence or totally. you know, in this, uh, you know, uh, in in that's you know that's where I would put my myself. That's what I'm saying. Like for me to have this experience was really exciting because very rarely do you. Um, you know, we all are faced with these questions: Are there aliens? Are there ghosts? Is, does Bigfoot exist? And we, we kind of have for most situations have to go the you know just as I, I you know say the same way I look at re, you know God. It just I go I don't know yeah. I don't know. Yep, sure, maybe possibly, but I don't know. And so to have this experience that I can you know, change that narrative for myself to say like, yes, it yeah. does exist. It's pretty no, crazy. you've gone from agnostic to believer. I mean, I, I know exactly what you're talking about. I would love, I would love to see Bigfoot with my own two eyes, you know, I would to confirm everything I th- think I know about it, you know, but yeah, it's like, until you have that, you know, come to Jesus moment where you're yeah. like, you know, you cannot simply explain away what's happening. Um, that's a profound shift, you know, and I feel that way. That's how I, you know, I'm, I'm, you know, I don't know if you guys have definitive, uh, proof in your own minds about, about UFOs or aliens, but I'm constantly just looking at the sky. Like, yeah, me too. When I'm on tour, you know, and we'll drive across, you know, you know, when you go across America, you can drive for four hours and and see nothing, you know, not, Mm -hmm. you know, in, in these open skies and, I am constantly looking up because I just, I, and actually it's a bit more frightening, I think, to be faced with that reality for some reason in my mind. Hmm. But I, but I want to have that same experience regarding aliens. I want to see something like I fucking know that I saw this thing and there's no explanation for it. Well, have you ever seen anything in the skies that you can't explain something you would classify as a, as a UFO or a UAP? 
I can't really. No, I, yeah. I uh, there was there was you know we did have I did have an experience uh, an odd experience again on tour one night. Um, we were this is an odd one too, but it wasn't actually in the sky. We were driving in one of those stretches where there is just nothing, 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 and it's the middle of the night, and we're and I'm looking forward, and uh, and it's it's difficult to judge the the mileage ahead of me, but um, the entire uh, landscape illuminates like like blue then white like four miles like just this light yeah and it's just and we're getting closer to it we're getting we're like we're gonna see what this is you know i'm thinking it's a military base it's an airport it's something but it's just this this light that is so bright because we're in just complete darkness you know you're in the desert or you know wherever we were i can't remember exactly the state or anything but it just kept sort sort of pulsing pulsing and we kept getting closer and I'm like, this is going to be amazing when we see what this is. And then it just stopped. Mm. And so we get the next day uh, to the gig and uh, I asked a couple of people, like, is there like a military base or anything like that around here? And they're like, nope. So, uh, you know, I, I, that wasn't in the sky per se, but it yeah. was one of those things that it's just like to this day, I still remember that uh, and have no idea what it could have mm. possibly been. How long did that go on for the the light pulsing? Uh, it's probably like a minute, you know. Oh wow! Yeah. Okay, so it wasn't like a meteor flash. No, or it wasn't. Like no, that. it wasn't it was like, like a uh, like an explosion or a. It was a like a kind of a almost like turning on a giant dimmer, you know, up and then down, mm-hmm. up wow. and then down, and it and it and it would change hue, uh, and it was just. I mean, it the the light source must have been massive because uh it wasn't like um you know when you're in the middle of nowhere and there's a there's a tower with a blinking light on it to warn aircraft or anything like that this was like coming from the ground and lighting up as far as the eye could see you know wow yeah that's wild yeah Yeah. and it didn't jump from 3 a.m to 5 a.m real Yeah, you didn't uh, pull into your destination six hours late yeah. for the gig. You know a story Spider would love? I'm reminded of that one story we did of that band who was in their van, and they're driving down, and they see a UFO in the middle of the road, and creatures come out, and the guy looks to all his bandmates, and they're just frozen, right? And the and the, the entity asks, invites him into the UFO, and he's like, yeah, and he starts following the entity, but then he's like, oh, wait, my recorder's... <laughs> The guy was a recorder player. He had, you know, those like flute-like <laughs> instruments. And he's like, oh, can I bring these? And the alien's like, sure, man. You know, wait, and he brings his recorders onto the UFO. I always love that. Fucking what? Face. Wait a minute. First of all, who told you this story? <laughs> it's in, it's, it's on the podcast. It's one of these like stories of high strangeness. Yeah. We've researched. Well, the, the highest strangeness. remember the name the, of that the one. The strangest part of that story is that there's a band where somebody plays a recorder. <laughs> this was, this was the seventies. This was like oh. the late sixties or something. You just know he played the shit out of that yeah. recorder, though, right? <laughs> Some, like, prog rock. <laughs> yeah. What All right. That, uh, uh, oh, I wonder if a recorder player gets a lot of chicks on the road. I don't know. <laughs> of course, man. Of course. Uh, Spider, we have a game that we like to play with all of our guests. I'm going to go down a list of phenomenon, and if you're open to it, you're going to say, believe it. If you're not open to it, you're going to say, bullshit. You have to pick one or the other, even if you're on the fence. Believe it or bullshit. Okay. Yeah, this is a game that we like to call bullshit 
or believe it. Creative. Spider One, <laughs> on your mark. Get set. Ghosts. Believe it. UFOs. Believe it. Bigfoot. Because uh, of Bryce, I got to say believe it. That's right. <laughs> Little gray aliens. Well, that would be UFOs, so I'll believe it. Out-of-body experiences. Uh, believe it. Demonic possession. Ha. Huh. Uh, I know. Uh, believe it. The Bermuda Triangle. Well, it exists, so you mean like that the crazy shit happens there. Yeah. Uh, You're so right, though. I've never heard anyone put it like that. Yeah, no, it's there. <laughs> I know Bermuda is a place. Uh, I'll, I, I feel like I should throw a bullshit in there somewhere, so I'll, I'll say, but I won't yet. B- believe it. Alien abductions. <laughs> believe it. Loch Ness Monster. Yeah, okay, bullshit. Time travel. Bullshit. Mothman. Who's Mothman? Oh, man. I know Mothra from Godzilla. Yeah. You (laughs) you would love the Mothman stories. Holy shit. Mothman was this uh, black uh, winged entity that was seen in the skies and farms (laughs) and uh, Point Pleasant, West Virginia uh, in the weeks leading up to a big bridge collapse that killed like 60 people uh, uh, over Christmas. Okay, I don't, I don't, I don't know, and I don't have quite enough information, but I'm gonna have to call bullshit on that one. But just, but I don't know. I'll have to, I'll do a little research on Mothman. Reincarnation. Mm. Bullshit. ESP. Uh, I'll, I'll believe it. Yeah. Haunted houses. Yeah, believe it. The Illuminati. Hmm. Bullshit. There's a face on Mars. <laughs> There's a face on Mars. Well, I mean, like a real face that actually... Sp- There's a giant rock formation yeah, like that a looks mega, like a mega structure face. pyramid. Well, this, oh, you mean like it was built like that? Yeah. yeah. Oh. Mm, yeah, bullshit. Skunk Ape. Again, I, I, I don't know what that is. Well, you just unlocked a secret game uh. called 60 Seconds to Sell Skunk Ape. We'll play at the end of this. Bryce, get ready. Oh, boy. Sea Serpents. <laughs> Uh, bullshit. Poltergeists. That'd be ghosts, right? Yeah, version of it. Yeah, okay. Believe Chupacabra. It. Yeah, bullshit. Atlantis. Hmm. I, I think possibly believe it. Heaven. Yeah, bullshit. Hell. Well, I mean, I think we we're living in it right now, so I'm going to believe it. <laughs> Not, life and, on I, a, I don't, and I don't mean this podcast. I mean 2020. <laughs> Sorry. Yeah, we're with you. Life on other planets. Uh, yeah, believe it. Parallel dimensions. Yes, believe it. The, the apocalypse. Uh, believe it. Life after death. Well, you know, you'd have to get more specific, but since I believe in, gave you the up, thumbs up on ghosts, I'll say believe it. Fantastic. Well done. You've just made it through Bullshit or Believe It. You did it. great. Did I did okay? Um, did I, yeah, did, you did great. Did Excellent. you guys disagree with me on any of those? Bryce disagreed on any that you said bullshit. <laughs> Bryce believes in everything. <laughs> I'm more agnostic about this sort of stuff. I'm interested what is in it, your... Gen- Bryce, what is it that... Like, uh, is it is it a... Like a, a, a need 
to believe or like you really want to believe all this or is it that you like what is it where's where's your perspective coming from on this i believe that we we don't exactly know what the nature of reality is and therefore these things that people experience whether they're a loch ness monster or a skunk ape or or this or that 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 people are actually experiencing something anomalous which therefore in my mind makes it makes it believable makes it true now if somebody else were to experience that same thing and would experience the same way, then I, I don't know. But, but uh, you know, the the nature of reality is up for is up for grabs, and so that makes it everything believable in my mind. Well, can I? Yeah, and this you just reminded me of something that I I want to throw at you guys, and maybe you can add it to your game of believe it or bullshit. And something that I'm beginning to believe is a real possibility uh, is that. Um, simulation theory yeah like me too because i yeah. feel like that you know when you really lay out all the you lay it out on the table yep it is more realistic that we are just living somebody else's incredibly complex video game Absolutely. than anything else really because yeah. think of how bizarre our existences in the thing just the things that we see in front of us every day like we well, live with, we live with furry creatures that walk in four legs we see yeah. like trees that grow all this in and just our behavior and our and also the the behavior of the human race uh or the every every creature on the really there's no logic to it like the nonsense and why good things happen and then really bad things happen and really it it i'm beginning to feel like you know, and people in, in religious people say, well, that's God's will. And that's, to me, it makes way more sense Yeah, that we really are just in, it just characters in somebody's, you know, for lack of a better term, game. And the fact that we, we see that we have now created those very primitive versions of those games. That's right. That yeah. it is not far-fetched to believe, like, if we can have these games that they you know, whether it be The Sims or NBA 2K or Call of Duty that are so, like, very close to reality in some regards. I mean, primitively, that that some other, totally. the other, uh, the other being could create one at e with ease that is so incredibly, well, what we, yeah. and also what we perceive as realistic, we, you know, to, to, to them what we perceive as being so detailed and realistic could look like Minecraft. Like, boy, our game sucks, yeah. but it's pretty, yep. it's pretty good. You know, like, <laughs> and maybe there's uh, glitches, you know, yeah, that's yeah. really where I kind of fall in. I think like the third dimension, you know, basically the, the dimension that our universe exists within is maybe the lowest dimension where something like that is possible. And I think that like, whether these, un this universe was a grown, uh, like a coded simulation or just happens to exist, uh, I don't know, you know, uh, if it's designed or not, but I do think that our consciousness is probably dropping down from a higher dimension. And when we're down here and we're living this sim in the simulation, we've forgotten that we're playing a yeah. game. You playing know, in we, the grease and grime. And it, I, think, I think when we die, we are suddenly sitting at the at the game console with the controls and we're like, oh, right. This is what I did. Uh, I've been down doing that oh fuck right this you know i think it's something like that because you know? here's another here's another uh sorry to make this podcast 14 hours long but here's another uh another idea that makes simulation theory sort of very reasonable 
And I think about this all the time, that we value our lives and the lives of our loved ones so dearly, right? But yet we know consciously that we're going to die and everyone we love is going to die. And we don't know when that's going to happen. And we know that when it does happen, it's going to be terrible. But yet we don't really, it doesn't really bother us. We don't dwell on it. You know what I mean? Like, isn't that odd? Like that, you know, that that should be, in my mind, crippling, right? Like you were just like crippling in your real life. I think for some people it is, (laughs) but, but generally, yeah. But you know what I mean? Like for the most part, we're like, yeah, yeah, I know, but whatever, like, let's go get some coffee, you know? Um, (laughs) But, uh, you know, so I think that that's an interesting aside to this idea that it's sort of, that we're just being played, we're just being played along and, and that for some reason doesn't really affect our existence until we're actually faced with it you know which is right. strange i don't know it's just it's just something that i always think about totally. that's just like no buried deep within the subconscious there might be the the knowledge that this is just a, a fleeting moment and not and not the end all you know absolutely and just to go back on to simulation theory for a second it's hard that when you see you know, mathematical elements within nature, geometrical patterns within, you know, space time. And we do that. It doesn't hint at a, uh, at a designer or a programmer. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. All right. Spider one, you're going to want to have your, a Google device close at hand because it's time to play oh, the secret game. 60 seconds to sell skunk ape hosted by Bryce Johnson. Yeah. All right. I'm going to set up the timer here. So what am I doing? What do I have to do? You're just going to listen. Oh, okay. Good. And then you're going to have to make a choice at the end of this, okay? Whether it's real or not. Okay. Yep. All right. Here. <laughs> I, Bryce. Think, I think I already know yeah. the answer, but go ahead. 60 okay. seconds to sell Skunkate <laughs> yeah. begins now. Well, look, I've been thinking about changing my approach a little bit on this one. And, you know, Spider, just think of the Skunk Ape as, as Florida's Bigfoot, you know? Uh, a couple wild in game life management uh, saw something large, hairy, and, and upright walking in the swamps of the Everglades, and they ha- and they saw sort of a white stripe uh, down its back, and hence it got coined the skunk ape. Now, you know, reported sightings in southeastern United States of this large, sort of hairy, bipedal creature that roams in and out of the swamps seconds. of the Everglades exists. In fact, you know, there's a picture. If you look up skunk ape on your search bar, whether it's Google or Yahoo, you'll see two different pictures taken by an old lady. Now, she went out into her backyard. Something was stealing apples. She flashed two photographs. 15 seconds. One, this creature is hunkering down. And on the second photograph, uh, she describes it as sort of getting back up. And you could see the teeth. You could see the reflection of the eye shine in the eyes. Spider, come on. You know it deep in your heart. The skunk ape. (laughs) All right, done. Done. You're done. 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 You can't see anything. Pencils down. Pencils down. And this 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 is in Florida, right? Sure. Yeah. yeah. No, it doesn't exist. <laughs> All right. Sorry, Bryce. Once again, you lose 60, wah, 60 wah, seconds wah. to sell Skunk Ape. We're going to take a quick break. When we come back, it's time for this week's story of high strangeness. Awesome. Right, I'm going to pee real recording. quick. Okay. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. 
But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com slash balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality. All right, we're back with Spider One, this week's guest. And Bryce, it's time for a story of high strangeness. What did you bring in? Let's do it. So this next story of high strangeness is one that's always haunted me, and perhaps it's because it's a real-life missing person case of seven-year-old Dennis Martin. And being a father myself, it struck in me an uneasy chord. But I think what really gets me about this case is that it's opened up in me the idea that monsters have always and still do inhabit the woods. This is the strange disappearance of Dennis Martin. On June 14, 1969, the Martin family thought they would enjoy some time together outdoors. So they went to a beautiful open space called Spence Field, located in the Great Smoky National Park, right near the Appalachian Trail on the border of North Carolina and Tennessee. It was Father's Day weekend, and the Martins consisted of the dad, William Martin, granddad, nine-year-old Douglas, and seven-year-old Dennis Martin. The boys were having a good time playing when another man approached with his son and asked if his boy could play as well. William said, sure, and all three of the boys started to play. The other father and his son were also named Martin. So two families named Martin and their boys playing in a field. Strange, but okay. The boys were laughing and having a good time playing hide and seek. William Martin watched as his youngest son, Dennis, ran and hid behind a bush on the edge of the field where the wilderness starts, keeping an eye out as best as he could. After a few brief moments, all of the other boys came out from their hiding spots, all except for little Dennis. William's fatherly intuition tinges the back of his brain, and he goes to check behind the bush, but Dennis isn't there. The world slowly closes in as his worst fears are realized, and in that one moment, he probably knew that life would never be the same again. He quickly scans the area and calls his son's name, but nothing, no sign at all. Instincts kick in, and he makes a dead run down the nearby trail, figuring it's the path of least resistance. William's in good shape, and he goes nearly two miles down the trail when he realizes there's no way his son could have made it that far on his own. So he runs the two miles back, all the while calling out for his son as worst-case scenarios play out in his mind. He arrives back at Spence Field and tells his dad, Clyde, go get some park rangers for help. The time's around 4 p.m. Around 5 p.m., Clyde comes back accompanied with some park rangers who immediately go into search and rescue mode. Now approximately six miles away, another family are enjoying a nice hike in the woods. The Key family, a young boy and his parents, who spot a nearby ranger and ask where they might be able to see some animals. The ranger tells him to just keep following the stream to a place called Rowan's Creek, where they should see some wildlife there. And so they do just that. They gingerly walk the few miles it takes to get there, and as soon as they do, Harold Key, the father, hears what he describes as, quote, the loudest, most sickening scream I have ever heard. 
followed a few moments later by something moving around in the nearby trees. His son excitedly points out and calls, Big Bear! In the bushes, up there on that hill! To which his dad closely looks and thinks, Can't be. Whatever it was, seemed to be standing upright. More alarming was the fact that it seemed to be hiding from them. Harold described it as being, quote, rough, shaggy, and in fur. They watched as it maneuvered through the ridgeline. A little unnerved, the Key family turns back around and heads for home. A little while later, it starts to rain. Now, the Key family had no idea whatsoever of the disappearance of Dennis until the next day when Harold picks up the Knoxville Times and sees on the front page a story about a child who had gone missing the previous day in Smoky Mountain National Park. He pours over the article, and with a nasty hunch, he takes out a park map and traces the distance between Spence Field, the place of the disappearance, and Rowan's Creek, where he heard that scream and saw that thing. He finds that it's only a mere five miles apart. Then he checks the time of the disappearances to the time they were in Rowan's Creek and is greeted with a shock to find out that Dennis went missing only just a few short hours before. Stomach nodded. Harold picks up the phone and calls the park authorities to let him know that he might have some pertinent information in regards to the missing persons case and that he would be more than willing to take him to the exact spot where he saw that rough and shaggy man in furs moving sneakily through the woods. And do you know what the park service along with an FBI agent who is now on the scene and monitoring the case said? No, we'll come to you. Myself and a park ranger will meet you somewhere outside the park. And Harold thought, just like you, the listener, are thinking right now, with a child still missing and no serious clues or leads as to his whereabouts, why on God's green earth would you not want an eyewitness who might hold valuable clues to come out and point out the exact spot where he saw something strange take off in the woods? William Martin, Dennis's father, never left Smoky Mountain. He somehow felt responsible and wanted to be intimately involved in the search for his son. By day three, the search and rescue was in full force. Approximately a thousand people were searching for his son, including the FBI and numerous volunteer groups from across state lines. But it was when the Green Berets were flown in and set up a private command center near Spence Field that everybody must have been thinking, what in the hell are the Army's special forces doing here? Perhaps it was because they were familiar with rough terrain and were willing to help out. Perhaps it was because they thought it would be good training. Or maybe, just maybe, they were called in for something more sinister. The fact that they didn't want any help from the Park Service, local law enforcement, nor the FBI, and proceeded to set up their own telecommunication systems and ran most of their search operations at night didn't ease suspicions. Harold Key, who was following the case from his home, grew more and more angry at the fact that nobody was taking what he saw seriously. Either that, or they were purposefully ignoring him. So he did what any person who had something to say but wasn't being heard would do. He went straight to the Knoxville Times and reported what he and his family had seen, a rough and shaggy man in furs that his son mistook for a bear trekking upright through the woods. And the next day when the story ran, William Martin saw the interview given by Harold Key and was livid. Martin confronted the FBI agent and Park Service official asking if it was true, did they know about this Key fella and what he saw? And they told him they did. 
They told him they had spoken to Harold Key, but it felt irrelevant. That whatever it was he claimed to have seen couldn't have anything to do with the case because it was just too far away, making the distance and timelines impossible. Overhearing this heated conversation between Dennis's father and the people who were supposed to be tracking down every lead, no matter how small, was a man by the name of Dwight McCarter, who was a tracker for the Park Service. And he pulls Mr. Martin aside and he tells him straight up that he's being lied to. He knows these woods like the back of his hand. And Rowan's Creek is only an hour's walk from here. And the next day, they did just that. They walked directly from where his son disappeared to where the Key family say they saw that bear looking like man. And just like Dwight had told him, it was totally doable. More than that, the timeline seemed to coincide perfectly. With every fiber of his being telling him that what the Key family saw was the key to finding his son, William Martin fought, begged, pleaded with the authorities to follow up. No, he was told, best to just leave it alone. But if you're a father who lost his son and is worrying about whether he's safe or not, there is no leaving it alone. It'll never be left alone until his son is back in his arms, dead or alive. With nothing left to do, William Martin walked over to the bush his son was hiding behind dug it out of the ground before breaking down and crying. And then just like that, 40 years passed. And a retired cop and private investigator by the name of David Polites showed up on Mr. Martin's doorstep and asked if he could speak with him about his son's case, only, be, only to be told that Mr. Martin had promised his wife and family that he would never speak of it again. It was too painful. Polites said, I understand, but I came an awful long way. And I know more about this case than just about anybody. Would you mind just giving me 15 minutes of your time? Mr. Martin cautiously agreed. And after some debriefing, David asked, William, what am I missing here? What's the one thing I should know about this case? Something that may have gone unreported that you felt might be significant. To which Mr. Martin replied, Something that the FBI or the Park Service newspaper won't ever tell you because they don't want anybody to know is that I personally spoke with Mr. Key. Do you know what he told me? He told me that thing they saw in the woods that day was carrying something on its shoulder. Pilates could only shake his head in a mixture of disbelief, sadness, and disgust before replying, Yeah. You see, the one thing that always bothered me was, Pilates said, was how a boy could mistake a bear for a man. After retiring from police force, David Polites dedicated his time and effort to researching and authoring several books dedicated to proving the existence of the creature known as Bigfoot. It wasn't until he was doing research in a national park when an off-duty park ranger found him and expressed serious concerns about the questionable nature of some of the missing persons cases which occurred in the parks. Ranger was familiar with Polites' background in law enforcement and asked him to research the issue. Polites obliged, and the Missing 411 series was born. And while Polites believes that he has uncovered multiple lines of evidence highlighting bizarre circumstances that surround an unnerving amount of cases where people go missing in national parks, he's a just-the-facts type of guy. And when pressed about what he thinks is really going on, the most he'll tell you is beyond your comfort zone.
And that's the story of the strange disappearance of Dennis Martin. Wow. That story, that is very disturbing. Yeah. Yeah, it's uh, it's disturbing. It's creepy. It, what, uh, did I what the uh, the timeline of that? What, what year was that? Did I miss the? That was nineteen sixty nine. <clears throat> okay, got it. Yeah. Is there? What do you th- do? You think that? Uh, I mean, obviously, when people refer to Bigfoot, they it's sort of a, a singular. Like there's one Bigfoot, but mm-hmm. clearly there there would be more than one creature. Yeah. Yeah. Like, absolutely. I mean, you know, just the the, the reporting cases alone uh hints at uh, a large number of these creatures creatures possibly in the thousands now that being said you know there there is locals that rumor uh that there is a there's a camp of feral type backwoods people that inhabit these these woods in the united states <laughs> that i believe that, that are off the grid uh okay. that wear furs pelts uh that are barely communicable and maybe hence the scream whoa um, that's never come up on the show because this story has come up on the show before it's never been a high strangeness but we've talked about this story i think maybe with cat burns in her episode maybe with um uh i don't know if we talked about this or you talked about this with cliff berkman but i, mm. I we've definitely talked about this story about the boy going missing behind the bush yeah, but I don't think yeah. you've ever gone into as much detail, and I've we've certainly never talked about like wild a tribe of wild men. <laughs> yeah, hiding out, I mean, like, well, that's that's just that's just one rumor, right? I mean, it boils down to possibly you know three different you know conclusions. One is these feral backwoods people uh, off the grid that the National Park Service knows about, but doesn't want anybody. Finding out about it, I mean, listen, just in that area alone around Knoxville is about an $800 million uh, park fund that, you know, takes care of those parks. And it's a big part of the uh, economy there. And Seems, uh, the- though, that like if the Green Braves would come out for this, they could probably get in there and round that group of people up pretty quick. Yeah. But yeah, then what, well, do you, what, do you, what do you do with them, though? Yeah, well, some, I don't know. You what know, do you? I mean, what do you do when you like bust? You know, like Warren Jeff's like compound. I, you know what I mean? They're like, there's there's stories of like the FBI going in and raiding like compounds and stuff. I mean, yeah, I don't know what you do with the folks afterwards. But I mean, I've definitely gone a lot in and busted up communities before. Yeah, they they don't get arrested. Let's put it that way. I mean, it gets taken care of. Uh, you know, listen, the Green Berets are known for unconventional warfare, and it seems like perhaps... God, now we got the know, Green Berets coming after But it's so strange. Oh, no. it, it's, it's so Not strange, you know, and it and it hints that, it hints at an idea that perhaps maybe a few different agencies are aware of these creatures or whatever might be responsible. You know, it reminds me of the story that came out in... Uh, in North Carolina, not too long ago, where uh, a little boy about three years old, uh, Casey that's, Hathaway, I believe was his name, went that's missing. That's the episode his, with Cat that we did, yeah. uh, Rescued by Bigfoot, uh, that's episode right. 62. Went missing in his grandma's backyard. He was found uh, two and a half days later. And this is after it completely rained, drenched, a search and rescue, uh, could not find a trace of the boy. And after two and a half days, a jogger heard baby screaming, a baby screaming, not a toddler. And and she went to where the sound was and under these thorn bushes found little Casey Hathaway largely unscathed. 
Wow. And when authorities went in there and got him, you know, he didn't speak much, but he said, you know, when asked by his grandmother, how did you survive? He said he made friends with a bear. A bear came over, kept him warm and was his friend throughout the stay. So what the fuck is that? You know? <laughs> yeah, this is the flip side to that coin, right? This is like the dark side of that same story. That's right. That's right. And uh, so I'm not saying I know, you know, what happened to. Well, because to you, do see, Martin, you do see, you do see, you know, examples. Let's say in, in a zoo where a child falls into like the gorilla habitat. That's a great point. And sometimes the gorilla will, you know, smash its head on the ground and kill it. And sometimes it'll protect it and be very gentle with it. And, you know, yeah. Uh, so yeah, I think there's a possibility that you just have, just like you have different personalities and instincts and in people, you might have the same with whatever creature this may be, uh, you know, in the way that they react to a missing child or taking a child or, or whatever. True. I mean, that's a great point. And while, and while that's stated, you know, it, it, that's not common bear behavior. And I think even around that time of, of, of Casey's disappearance, you know, bears should have been hibernating. But, but look, this, this points to a larger world of, of high strangeness. This is just sort of one of the cases that, uh, you know, Pilates goes on about in his missing 411 series. Yeah, I, you've I've been very obsessed with these stories over the course of the show. And I, it's something I've never really looked into. So, just, I mean, you've... they're just creepy. And the idea that, you know, that he wrote about Bigfoot before, that's how he started his, you know, authoring career. And uh, and then, you know, went into these missing four. And he'll never tell you. He'll never like, you know, hyperbole what he thinks. He's not going to say, you know, I think Bigfoot is, you know, taking kids. But, you know, I mean, it, it, you make your own conclusions, I think. Wild stuff. Uh, Spider, any final thoughts on this story before we say goodnight? I think the uh, the the big takeaway from that story is the what Bryce touched on, uh, basically, that certain factions of the military or government certainly know more about a lot of these strange, I mean, as evidence from the UFO stuff as being the clearest case of that, that, that maybe know more than, than we will ever know. Uh, yeah. And that's a, that's kind of scary too. Yeah. It's we got to, what else we gotta, is in the closet? Yeah. We got to get into why they might be covering up this Bigfoot stuff. That's a weird, it's a weird situation. All right, Spider, thank you so much yeah. for be being a guest on the show. Where can our listeners find you and your work? Uh, well, they uh, right now, uh, nowhere, because I'm home. Usually I'm on tour. But, of course, they can go to Powerman5000.com. We have a brand-new record coming out. Uh, I don't know when this will air, but August 28th. It'll be out by then. Oh, Great. good. So the new record's called The Noble Rot. Uh, and, uh, it's, uh, yeah, all new songs and they can check that out and on all the typical streaming platforms because no one buys records anymore. So, <laughs> <laughs> so basically, laugh Riley. basically it's free. So <laughs> go get Enjoy it. Kids. Free record. Yeah. <laughs> I, I wish you guys could have met Riley's got a, a studio just loaded with cool guitars. You guys would have had a great hang. Uh, yeah. maybe, maybe sometime in the near future. Yeah. Also, I love your band. Oh, thank it's a, you. It's a thank great you. band. I, I've thank loved your band since the '90s. Oh, so. nice. Thank you. Well, yeah. make sure you check out the new the new record. It's really I will. I'm excited really to hear it. Absolutely. But, uh, yeah, but thank you guys for having me, and it's a, it's a pleasure, a blast to finally get uh, and talk about some of these things. Uh, you know, and hopefully, uh, 
Hopefully, I didn't blabber on too much. No, no, my God. Not a bit. Oh, was... they're going to eat it up with the spoon. And as you can hear, Violet's telling me that it's time to wrap it up the show as well. <laughs> uh, please uh, follow us at Bigfoot Pod on Twitter and Bigfoot Collectors Club on Instagram. Uh, go to Apple Podcasts. Like Violet's saying, give us a five-star review. We'll read it here on the show. Like this one called Infinite Five Stars by Awkward Thompson, who says, love this cast, especially love the anthem. That's by Sun Eaters. Thanks, guys. And thank you, Awkward Thompson, for giving us a review. All right. I got to get my dog out of here. Spider, thank you for joining us once again. Boys, it's been a blast. Everyone out there listening, until next time, good night. And go get regressed. All right. Bigfoot Collectors Club is produced by Riley Bray. Our theme song is Come Alone by Sun Eaters, courtesy of Lotus Pool Records. If you like the show, please rate and review us on Apple Podcasts. It really helps get the podcast to more listeners. To support the show, check out our Patreon page at patreon.com backslash Bigfoot Collectors Club and unlock multiple reward episodes every month. Hey, this is Eric Malinsky, host of the podcast Imaginary Worlds. Each episode, I explore different sci-fi fantasy genres, talking with filmmakers, novelists, game designers, cosplayers, comic book artists, and anyone who works in the field of make-believe. I also look at the fan experience, asking, why do we suspend our disbelief? You can subscribe to Imaginary Worlds wherever you get your podcasts. In the 1970s, John Todd burst onto the evangelical scene with a shocking tale. He claimed to be a former witch, involved in a then-unheard-of secret organization called the Illuminati, and urged Christians to prepare for a violent world takeover. First of all, the number one weapon in everybody's home should be a 12-gauge pump shotgun. Hear the amazing story of one of the originators of the modern-day conspiracy theory. From Magnificent Noise and Sony Music Entertainment, this is Cover Up, The Conspiracy Tapes.